Morning, everyone. Hope you have a wonderful day. We're up to the uh, final, third and final chapter, Mayat Cotton. And uh, we're in 24B on the bottom of the Mishnah. You're not allowed to rent, tear your garments. You're not allowed to bear your shoulders. That's what they used to do in the olden days, bear their shoulders. We don't do that today. They mavrin, and you don't uh, give the meal, serve the mourner's meal. Ella Kareva from Mace. Only the relatives of the, of the deceased. Who who rips the garment? Only the relatives that are obligated to rend the garments. A child, siblings, parents, a spouse. So they rend the garments, and they <laughs> and they uh, um, uh, do all these things. They have to have a special meal. Nor do we serve the mourner's meal except in an upright upright bed on the bottom. Only on an upright upright bed. In other words, the mourner sits on an overturned bed. But the um, But those who serve the meal and join the mourner, they sit in a regular bed. Others explain it means that even the mourner sits in an upright bed during the meal, out of respect for those who join him. And that's why some even have the version in the plural, upright beds. That in the plural, both the comforter and the one who's comforted, both of them, all of them sit in an upright bed. Mm-hmm. Some say that our mission is referring to Chalamoyed. And Chalamoyed, when, when you're not allowed to publicly mourn, so no one except the immediate uh, relatives are even allowed to rend the garments, bear a shoulder, be served the mourner's meal. And even the mourner's meals we serve an upright bed. But we're talking about Achalamayid. Others say, however, no, it can't be talking about Chalamayid. Chalamayid, you don't serve the mourner's meal at all. Even the first meal, the mourner Achalamayid would eat his own meal, his own food. And it's saying that in general, you're not required. Who's required to rent at any time? Any time of the year, who's required to tear this clothing and bear his shoulders? Because only the relatives. And that meal could be eaten in an upright bed. Okay, so there's a whole discussion of what the Mishnah means. We continue on 25a. Does this apply even to a, someone who's a, a wise one? But Tanya, we learn. That a wise man who died, everyone is considered a relative. How can everyone is his relative? He's not related to everyone biologically. That they have the status of a relative, meaning everyone has to rip Kriya. When the Rebbe passed away, we all tore Kriya. We all ripped our clothing. And you have to bear your shoulders. And everyone has to be served in the meal, the mourner's meal in the streets over him. (laughs) 
So how could you say that every only the relatives? I think what Our mission is not talking about a chacham. Mission is talking about a regular person, not a chacham. Chacham is an unusual case. Someone who you can ask anywhere in the Torah and he can answer you is like a very unique, one in a million. It's not what the mission is talking about, so it's not contradiction. You might ask, but if the person is an upright person, then everyone is also obligated to render clothing. Even if he's not a chacham, just a righteous person. Anyone who lives through life in this world, in this corrupt and decadent world, and yet manages to live an upright life, everyone has to rend, uh, feel the tragedy, and everyone has to rip their clothes off him. The time we learn the Baraisa. Why does a person lose his young children? Parents should never bury their children, especially when they're young. They say, Yif in order that they should cry and they should mourn on a kosher person because a, a minor has no sins. A minor is like perfect. So Hashem wants them that they should weep over an upright person. You say, may weep and mourn. They take a security for him to make sure that he mourns. What you, you're taking is I'm sorry, you're taking his child in order that he should cry on a righteous person who, who in the future. I'm not talking about the children. Children children are, are minors and exempt from mitzvahs. He's talking he says the literal reading of the Braise that Hashem Remove uh, ha, uh, the uh, the death of children is in order that the the adult, the parent, should mourn over a righteous person. What do you mean? You're taking a, a guarantee that in the future, when the righteous person dies, you will mourn. Rather, you have to read the Baraiyas of Neshle Bach It's a punishment for not having mourned, for not having cried over a righteous person who died. So whoever cries and mourns over an upright person, is forgiven of all his sins, because of the respect that he paid to that person. So we see a person is obligated to mourn for every every culture person. So why do you say only the relatives are the ones who mourn? Why does our mission say only the rel- immediate relatives? And then he said, Lavadam kosher. answer, Lavadam kosher. Our mission again is talking about someone who's not kosher. We're not talking about how many <coughs> kosher people are there. A handful. We're not talking about those who are Adam kosher. We're talking about a person who's not Adam kosher. So you might ask, wait a minute. If you're standing when the soul, when the person expires, everyone is obligated. Everyone who's present. When a person passes away, even if he's not a kosher person, and even if he's not a chacham or not a kosher, you have to you have to rip your clothes. The Tanya will learn the brayz. I'm sure when Allah said, "Emer, Emer, Dalam Meis, Shasitias Neshama, Chayev Likreya," you have to rip your clothing. The Mazad Emer, you know what that's it's compared to? The Sefer Torah and this like a Torah scroll that burnt. Every Jew is like a Torah scroll, and a Torah scroll when the Jew expires, like a Torah scroll was was destroyed. If you see a Torah scroll burning, you have to rip your clothing. So whoever is present in the time of death has to rip his clothing. 
Shachayiv lekroya. So how can the Mishnah say that only the immediate relatives rip the clothing when here it says clearly that anyone who's present? So Gemara answers, Mishasitzias neshama chayiv lekroya. Mishnah is talking about someone who wasn't present. <laughs> we're not talking about, again, we're not talking about all these cases where someone is present. He wasn't present when he expired. He wasn't a kosher person, a special person. He wasn't a chacham, the one, in, one in a generation. We're talking about a regular case, and only the immediate family, that's what the Mishnah says, only the immediate family is obligated under all circumstances. No matter what, you're present, you're not present, he's kosher, he's not kosher, it doesn't matter. Our immediate relative died, you're obligated to rip your clothing, but only the relatives and no one else. Your mother says, When Safra passed away, the rabbis did not rip their clothing. Amri, they said, They said, We never learned from him, he's not our teacher. We're not obligated to rend our clothing. They understood the b'raisa that said if a wise person passes away, you have to rend, meaning if, you, if it's your teacher. Question is, okay, maybe Rav Safra wasn't their teacher, but didn't we just learn that even a righteous person, a kosher person, you have to rend the clothing? Surely Rav Safra was a kosher person, even in their estimation. So why didn't they rend their clothing? <coughs> So the answer is because only only if you're only if you're in the presence, if you're in the presence before the burial, if you're in this presence. If you're watching, yeah. If you're back, if, yeah. If you're doing shmita, you're next to his body, then you have to. But if you just heard about it, you weren't present, then you don't have to. A wise person, a chacham, a chacham. Even if you hear about it within thirty days, he's like a father. You have to rend. He's a spiritual father. So you, have, you have to rend your garments. So they interpreted that when is that if it's only a, your teacher. He's not my teacher. And they weren't present at the burial. So, so therefore, they, they didn't warn. So, so they asked, Abayah said to them, does the Braitha say your teacher that passed away? It says, Chacham Shemais. A wise man that passed away, even if he's not your teacher. Chacham Shemais Tanya. In addition, Every day his teachings are cited to us in the study halls, even though we didn't learn with him personally, mm. but our, everything we're learning is from him. Mm. So therefore, he, even, even according to you, he is your teacher. Even according to you, misinterpretation of the Braise, he's still your teacher, even though physically you never learned from him. You never went to his shir, but everything you heard is his teachings. So you should, you should have rent your garments. So Sabra, they thought, the rabbis thought, okay, it's too late, since they didn't rent their clothing, so now it's too late. Then in we learn, that a wise man, as long as they engage in eulogizing him, everyone is still obligated to rent. So it's not too late. You blew it, you didn't, you didn't rent when you should have, right in the beginning, but you still, you still have time to do the right thing and to rent your clothing. Because eulogies were still being held for the safra. So they wanted to rent the garments right then and there. They accepted Abayah's Abayah's point. We learn, A sage who passed away is honored, sir, by renting the garments during his eulogy. So wait until the next eulogy, and then you'll get up and rip your garments. Don't just do it right now. Because during the eulogy, your heart gets all faklant, faklant. 
That's when you feel the mourning and the tragedy and the loss is acute, and that's when you have to rip. That's when you have to rip the garments. Gemara says, "Kinoch nafshir the Rav Huna. Rav Huna passed away. They wanted to place a Torah scroll on, on his on his beer, on his coffin." Because as the Gemara says, and Baba when Chizkiya passed away, that's how they honored him. They put a Torah scroll on his beer, and they said, "This, this, this is one fulfilled everything that's written in the Torah." It's like Yosef, Yosef's ark, Yosef's bones, and the ark with the with the uh, with the luchos were carried together. Because this one, what are they two doing? Because this one was a living Torah. He is the one who lived by the Torah. He followed the Torah even in Egypt. So they, so they wanted to do the same thing for, for Rav Huna, Rav Huna's students. Not that they have to make an announcement, but by placing the Torah there, that itself is basically making that statement that he, Rav Huna, kept everything, everything in the Torah. Something that Rav Huna didn't even consider correct while he was alive. He held to, to, to rest on the same bed as the Torah he wouldn't allow. To sleep on a, with the Torah lying right next to you, you can't even sit in the same bench if a Torah is on the bench. To lie down and the Torah is on your bed, he wouldn't allow it. So you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna do it to him when he's when he passed away. The boy He wanted to sit down in his bed. There was a Torah on the bed. Before seating himself down, he inverted the drug on the ground and sat on the drug instead of the bed. And he put the Torah on the drug. And then he sat down on the bed because he didn't want to sit on the same surface. Alma Kasavari holds oscillator You're not allowed to lie down and sit on the same bench or on the same bed where 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 there's a, a safer there, a holy book. So you're gonna do it to him when he passed away? You're gonna lie him down the safer tater, him and the tater in the same Lavanofik put him above his peer could not pass through the doorway of the house because it was way too wide. They wanted to lower it down by way of rope, a large opening in the roof. I learned from Abuhun himself, a sage who passed away, the honor is, the respectful thing is, you should take him out through the doorway. So what should they do? They're stuck. You can't take him from the roof. There's no room from the doorway. So they wanted to transfer him from one beer, a wider beer, to a narrower beer, which will fit through the doorway. said, said to them, I learned from Rav Huna. The honor is to bury, to take him out on the first bed. Don't transfer him from bed to bed. In other words, this was made for him. Especially when you make for a Torah scholar, what they do is, like with the Rebbe, they, they use the coffin, they use his stender, the things, the place, that the table that he learned, and the, the stender that he davened on. And it's an, it was made especially for him. So you're, gonna take, you're just going to transfer him to a regular, regular bed, a regular beer. That's not the right thing. Where do we know this? It's, the honor is 
that he should be carried out in the first thing bed that they made for him. Then it says, by Akivus Hadinalikim, Agolakadosha, they place the Ark of Hashem on a new wagon. In the book of Samuel, when David transported the Ark from the house of Avinodov and Giva to the city of David, where the Aran was, he didn't bring the Aran to the Aran was not in in Noiv and Givain, it was it was in the city of David in the tent. So it says Agola Chadosher, a new, a new wagon. Now, now when the Philistines brought the ark back after they were plagued, they had the ark in seven months, and and they were plagued. Uh, all five nations of the Philistines they transferred it from one nation to the other, and they had horrible plagues and. And disasters, and that's why they sent. They built a new, a new wagon, and they sent it back to the Jewish people. So by David, David, it doesn't say they made a new wagon. It says they placed the ark on a new wagon. So it seems to be that they used the new wagon that the Philistines made. That's what they used. That's what David the Melech used. Interesting. I thought I thought they took the wagon and they used it. Uh, to burn, they, they offered the animals as a sacrifice, and they took the wood from the wagon, and they used it as a um, yeah, as a as a kindling. That's what it says clearly in the pasuk. So what, how how the gemara wants to bring a proof from here that that you have to use the first bed, just like David and Melech used the same wagon. It says clearly in Shmuel, not so. It says clearly in Shmuel, they, they broke the wagon apart and they used it to, to offer the offering of the, of the two, two oxen. So he wants to say maybe they only chopped up the sideboards of the wagon, which were extra to the wagon. Because the, the, the ark didn't need any support. Remember what happened when the ark fell down and uh, yeah. and he tried to he tried to hold up the and he got killed because yep. he tried to hold up uh, to steady it right. Uzzah held it, tried to hold up, and he said that the the ark of Hashem carried the koyanim can carry itself. You don't have to hold it. Uzzah, Uzzah, parutz and Shmuel. So. The, they never really carried it, it carried so, so, down. Right, right, exactly. So they took the side walls and they used it as fire. Right, right. But the wagon itself, they didn't break apart the no, wagon no, no. itself. Um, others say, no, it's not referring to the wagon of the Tesis of Russia. It's not referring, the new wagon is not the wagon that the Philistines made. The Philistines made that wagon was taken apart and they used it to offer the offer the oxen as a sacrifice. But it means it was a new wagon, a special wagon that was made for this purpose. In other words, you should use a wagon that's dedicated and used for this purpose, not, not another wagon. So the question was, so what did they do? They were stuck. They couldn't transfer the bed. They couldn't take him from the roof. The, the, the door is too narrow. <laughs> so what did they do? They broke open the doorway and widened it and brought the bira. Rabab opened the eulogy over Rav Hunna. He says, 
Our master, our teacher, Avuna, was worthy of the divine presence should rest upon him, El Shabavu Garmalei. But because he lived in Babylonia instead of living in the Holy Land of Israel, so the divine presence does not rest outside the land of Israel. It says, The whole prophet of Yechezkel happened in, outside of the land of Israel. How can you say that the divine presence doesn't rest in Babylonia? On the Harkavar, this is in Babylonia. His father, Rabchizde, tapped him on the sandal. Like hit him over the head, you know, very <laughs> gently. Wow. Didn't I tell you, don't disturb people with, with such insubstantial challenges? It's a simple answer. My hoya, shahoya kvar. Because Yechezkel already had a prophecy. While he was in Israel, he already had prophecy. So therefore, since he already had prophecy, the prophecy continued even when he left the land of Israel. But someone who was never in the land of Israel, Rav Hudna, so to, that the, the, the initially that it should start, the prophecy should start outside the land of Israel, that, that doesn't happen. That can't happen. That's what he says, Hoya, Hoya. There had been that the reason why he merited that prophet is because Hoya, because he was already, he had already prophecy already in the past when he was in the land of Israel. When they brought him up to Eretz Yisrael, they buried Rav Hunan in Eretz Yisrael. He was in Babylonia, but it's a big merit to be buried in Eretz Yisrael. As it says in the Torah, the end of Azinu, that the land itself achieves an atonement. That's why people pay a lot of money and do everything they can, the power to be buried in the Holy Land of Israel, even being buried. If you never step foot in Israel while you're alive, your body is buried in Israel, it's already an atonement. Wow. So it's called Aliyah. Mm. But he made Aliyah after his death, after he passed away. That's cool, and they elevated because Israel is higher than the land of Babylonia. Physically, you know, how much more so spiritual? So he said, Kavi, Kavi. So he said, when they brought him, they told arrived. Amru, they said, they thought he was alive. They said he arrived. When we were visiting in Babylonia, we were unable to raise our heads to him because he was so superior to us. Rabhuna was so superior to us. So he said, Now that he comes here to Yisrael, also Basran, he follows us. It doesn't make sense. He is greater than us. Well, he came to Israel to follow us. They realized they didn't understand what they said. <laughs> His coffin came. He's, he passed away. So he went out to escort the coffin. But the rabbis, Ravila and Abachanina, did not go out. Others say, Ravila Nafik, Ravila did go out. Abachanina lay Nafik. Why? The Nafik, my time of the one who went out, why? The time we learned, when a coffin is passing from one place to another, 
and it arrives at its final destination. But uh, it's after the death. It's a little time after the death. They have to travel. You're required to stand in line and it's a count. And you're also required to say the mourner's blessing and the mourner's condolences, even though Ravuna passed away a while ago because to travel from Babylonia, from Iraq to Israel in those days, it was a, it was a trip. So nevertheless, since this is his final destination, he's about to be buried, so you have to do everything over again. You have to stand and pay your respects. So that re- explains the reasons of those who went out to participate in the funeral. But the Leinafik, those who didn't go out, my time of why? Because the time of There's another Braise that says, that argues, it says, no, you don't stand in line on their account. It's a contradiction. Well, it's not a contradiction. It's not their argument. It's no contradiction. If the skeleton is still intact, then you have to. You have to give, pay all the honors and respect. But if it's, past, the, it's so much time passed that the skeleton is no longer intact. It's a lot of time, by the way. So then you don't have to. Then you don't have to. Hmm. And the case of Rav Hunda, we know that the skeleton is still intact. So, so why didn't they go out? So the answer is, The ones who didn't go out because they didn't get the full report. They didn't realize that his skeleton is still intact. In other words, they thought maybe they're transferring his body years later, maybe he passed away a long time ago and they're just transferring his body to Israel. You know, the people decades later that they transferred the bodies to Israel. Hmm. He didn't know that he just literally passed away and they immediately took him to, to, from Babylonia to Israel, so he's still fresh. Hmm. And his, 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 even his skeleton is still intact, and that's why he didn't go out. They didn't know the reality, the facts. Amri, the sages, said, I wish we put him to rest. <coughs> spread Torah amongst the Jewish people. The Gemara says in Ksuvis, so many students, that when they stood up and brushed off their clothing, the cloud of dust obscured the sun. <laughs> That's how many students he had. He was so popular, he was able to engage so many students. And Rabchia, the student of Rebbe, he was also a disseminator of Torah amongst the Jewish people. So therefore, it's fitting that he should lie next to Rebbe. Man ma'il, but who is the rabbi who is meritorious enough to enter into Rebbe and to bring Rebbe in it? So a certain stage volunteered. I'm going to volunteer. I'll bring him in. I think I'm worthy of entering. You know, they knew you're entering into a tzaddik's presence. You better have. You better be righteous yourself. You have to have a merit. Why am? Why do I merit? I established my knowledge in the Torah, in the Talmud. I knew the entire Talmud when I was 18 years old. I already was a Baki Bashas. I already knew the entire Talmud. And I never experienced a seminal emission. Not only he never masturbated, he never even, he never even experienced it. no lewd thoughts. He was totally pure. Mm. The age of 18. Mm. 
even at night. In other words, he had no indecent thoughts. So therefore, not only am I pure indeed, I study Torah pure in thought. Also, he postponed marriage. He was so immersed in Torah. Usually, eighteen years old, you have to marry. He was busy learning Torah. So I didn't. I didn't get. I wasn't. Didn't get married. I pushed it off to learn Torah. And I was the attendant of Rabchia during his lifetime. I intended, so I was his, his, his attendant. And I'm acquainted with his pious deeds. One day, the One day, his tefillin strap turned over the head. The strap of the head tefillin turned over. Now, the, what's the big problem? If it turned over, because the the tefillin, the straps must be dyed black. So Allah it has to be dyed black, black, and the fa- it has to be facing outward. Some say it's re- re- he means the, uh, the the knot the the knots in the strap, which are, resemble the name of Hashem. Mm-hmm. And he fasted forty days. To atone for his transgression, he watched it. He witnessed. He was there. He was his his, his gabba, his shamish. He was his attendant. How does that work? Did I fast? There's no halach. Yeah, there's no halach. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, maybe he broke it at night. There's no requirement to fast. It was, it was a Hasidic thing, mm. because when you sin, you create a, a scar in your soul, in the heavens, in the world, in the universe. And therefore, to atone for that sin, you have the idea of fasting. Fasting is a cleansing, a tremendous cleansing. There's, but there's no obligation to fast. In Truva, there's zero obligation. It doesn't say Truva anywhere. To do Truva, you have to fast. No, it's not. Truva means you have to regret. And you have to make a resolution that you'll never sin again. There's absolutely nowhere it says you have to fast to do Truva. Nowhere. It's not part of Truva. Mm-hmm. But it's beyond, it's, it's, it's to, to achieve a cleansing, to achieve a, you want Hashem, you want to restore the relationship. You know, maybe you do tshuva and you mend the sin, but you want to restore your relationship. Mm-hmm. So fasting is like, after you brought the sin offering, then you bring a burnt offering as a gift. You want to, because even if Hashem forgives you for the sin, but the relationship is not the same anymore. You know, the trust is gone. Yeah. You know, you used to be my best friend. Okay, I forgive you for the sin, but uh, that trust, that intimacy is gone. Finished. You, you bring, the Jew would bring a carbon oil, or bring a gift to Hashem to restore the relationship. That's what fasting does. Fasting creates that goodwill, brings back the relationship, that purity, innocence of the way it once was. And that's why he fasted. But that's a Hasidic thing. It's not like... So I see how pious he was. Sa'ilas, Rav Chage, they agreed. Rav Chage was the one who brought Rav Hune in. Avagoni Yehuda, Mimini Ravur, Yehuda, the elder son of Rav Chia, he had two sons, and he was the eldest son of Yehuda, was lying on his father's right side. The Chizkiah Mismali, and Chizkiah was lying, they, were all, they all passed away already, and Chizkiah was lying on, on uh, Rav Chia's left side. Amalei Yehuda, Chizkiah, Yehuda told his younger brother Chizkiah, Kum Miduchtech, arise from your place. It's not respect when Rav Huna should stand and wait to be buried. Show respect. <laughs> a pillar of fire rose with them. It rose with them. Rav Chagas saw the pillar of fire. He was terrified. 
He raised Avhunas coffin to shield him from the fire. And he left, he ran out. And the reason he was not harmed by the pillar of fire, because he raised Ravuna's coffin. So in the merit of burying Ravuna, maybe that saved him, saved him from, from the punishment. So according to this, Rav Huna remained till today. Rav Huna's coffin is standing. <laughs> but you imagine what was going on there? The dead stood up. Fire comes out. <clears throat> he, ran, he ran for his life. You know, you know you, you're happen. dealing with tzaddikim. You're dealing with tzaddikim. It's a yeah. whole different level. You know, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, mentioned that they were in Rostov. And the Rebbe Rishab passed away. He's buried there. So the previous Rebbe was there the first two years or so. So, so when he became Rebbe, and he would go to the grave of his father. And, he, he was, and, and once the Chassidim were wondering, what's he doing at the grave of his father? And they, they climbed on the tree to see, you know, to watch. And, and suddenly they hear, the Fidik Rebbe like bends down on the grave and he says, Ha! Huh? Like he's, they ran for their life. <laughs> like, like, okay, this is, this is not for us. This is not for us simple people. What's going on here is a whole different level, you know. So, you know, the tzaddikim are alive. Even when they're dead, they're alive. Versus the wicked, even when they're alive, they're dead. The walking dead. So we're dealing with a whole different... Uh, you know, okay. something... The Rebbe would always say, the Rebbe would say, you know, I'm going to speak to my father-in-law, and my father-in-law said, I'm going to mention it at the oil, and, and a few times he told people... My father-in-law told me to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. You know. They wanted to put a Torah scroll in his beer. The same concept. To show that he lived by... He was a living Torah. He followed everything in Torah. Something that Rav Chizda's teacher, Rav Huna, did not consider correct. So you're going to do that to Rav Chizda? Rav Chizda refused to do it to Rav Huna because he said Rav Huna wouldn't even lie down on the same bed, sit on the same bed with the Torah. So you're going to do it to the student, Rav Chizda? So after Rav Chizda's funeral, and all the students ripped their garments, they thought maybe they shouldn't, they shouldn't fix the tear. We learn clearly that uh, once they turn their face away from escorting the, the escorting the coffin, Shailin, you're allowed to uh, fix the tear. The and Rabbi passed away. They were brought to Eretz Yisrael for burial. And they were carried side by side. They carried the, both of them side by side. We continue on 25b. They arrived at a narrow bridge. And they had to go single file. The camels carrying the bridge still refused to proceed. An Arab merchant on the camel said to the mourners, My high, what's going on here? Why did the camel stop? So they replied, It's the rabbis who are honoring each other. Ma one master is saying, Ma'nel, you go first. Or Ma'nel, another one says, Ma'nel, and that's why they stopped. 
Each one refused to go. Amma the Arab said, Dinuhu, the Rabbi of Huna stands to reason the Rabbi of Huna should be the one to go first. Because he's a great man and his father was also a great man. Rabbi of Huna. Versus Rabbi Nuna, his father wasn't so great, so surely Rabbi of Huna should go first. So therefore the camel Rabbi Huna Taka went first. <laughs> the, the Arab Paschant and the, the camel and it was accepted and he went first. But the Arabs' uh, teeth, molars and teeth fell out. Because <laughs> he was punished for sliding Rabbi Nuna or sliding Rabbi Nuna's father. He was saying Rabbi Nuna's father is nothing special. But the question is, but he was right. I mean, the camel did move. As soon as he made that judgment, the camel, obviously, he, he, so why did he get punished? But nevertheless, the biggest criteria is really, maybe, yeah, Rabbi Nuna was great. Rabbi Huna was greater than Rabbi Nuna's father. As you say, Rabbi Rabbi Huna doesn't say who Rabbi Nuna's father was, doesn't even mention his father. But nevertheless, the real criteria is the greatness of the person himself, not your yichas. Mm-hmm. You come from a big father and you come from a big grandfather. It's very nice. The question is, what did you, what did you accomplish? What did you do? Mm-hmm. Or he slighted the rabbis. He didn't say... Just a gavar rabba by gavar rabba, great person, the son of a great person. He says, a person, the son, the son of a of anyway. The Gemara continues. Yenuka, a youngster opened the eulogy for Rabbi Nuna, and he said, "The Geza Yeshishim Alami Bavel." says in Isaiah, the term Geza. Geza is offspring. So Geza, Yeshishim. Yeshishim is a term that's found in Job. Yeshishim, Chachma. In age, you find wisdom. So Geza, Yeshishim, a descendant of an elderly sage, Rabam Nuna. Here, here, it can't mean a, a, uh, a descendant of an elderly sage because his father is not even mentioned. He means a disciple of elderly sages. He was a disciple of his teachers who were elderly sages. Went up from Babylonia. It's also an expression of the Tanakh. Ezra went, went up from Babylonia, went up to the land of Israel. Ezra, one of the greatest, greatest scholars ever. And with him is a book of words. That's what it's, how it's described in the Torah. In the book of Numbers, Sefer Melchames Hashem. So he was using expressions from the Tanakh. This young child who knew the Tanakh backwards and forwards was mm-hmm. using expressions. He started, started eulogizing, using all these expressions. 
that he was the expert on the Sefer Mohammed Hashem. Koas we keep it hukbulu, koas and kippah have combined. Koas and kippah are the name of birds. Like it says in Svanya. Koas and kippah are like a curse and represent a curse and affliction. So he said a double curse has befallen us the death of two great sages, Rabbi Mnuna and Rabbi Baravuna. Or these two birds would howl and scream. So he says, oh, yeah, all, all the mourners, the eulogizers are howling and screaming and crying. Leaders to observe the plunder and calamity that has come from Shina, this great tragedy of the passing of these two sages. Hmm. Again, this is an expression that's found in Isaiah, Shaid and Sheva. Kotsav Ali Lam Hashem is angry at his world. and snatched souls from it. But he rejoices with them. Hashem is rejoicing with these souls like one who rejoices on a new bride. But for us, it's for our generation, it's a punishment. But when they arrive before Hashem in purity and what a life accomplished, what an accomplished life. All their achievements, like a new bride, a new beginning. Hmm. In other words, even though the soul comes into this world from heaven, so it should be like remarrying, like you're marrying your second bride, not the first. No. After the experience of this world, when you come out of this world pure, it's like a new, it's a whole new beginning. It's not the same. It's not that you're coming back to where you went, where you came from. It's a whole new experience, like a new bride. Hmm. He who rides on top of heavens is glad and rejoices. The veil of nefesh tzaddik. The language of the Gemara, when an innocent and righteous soul comes to him, Hashem rejoices. Hmm. It's all expressions in, in the Tilim, in the heavens. Hmm. And they're pure, innocent and pure. Also we find in, 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 in the book of Exodus. Naki v'tzadik al-tadik. Wow, this little child knew his Tanakh backwards and forwards. Every word was a word from the Tanakh. And it had so pregnant with so much meaning. He says that they were taken away not because of their sins. They were pure. They were taken away because of the sins of the generation. That's why for the generation it was a punishment. For Hashem, these souls are so pure. Ravashi said to the eulogist, Bar on that day when I die, what are you going to say about me? <laughs> he wants to get a preview <laughs> of the eulogy. Amalei. Oh, one second, one second, one second, one second. Uh, we, we skipped a piece. When Ravina passed away, done. A eulogist opened up the eulogy and said, Palm trees, wave your tops. Because a tzaddik is compared to a palm tree. Hmm. Let us render our nights like days. So we should, shouldn't stop uh, lamenting. Hmm. Someone who would be up nights 
just like the day we up all night studying Torah. So Rabash says, Rabbi Kippur, what are you going to say about me? I'm a late. Rabbi Kippur said, I mean, I'm going to say, Im badozim If upon a cedar tree a flame has fallen, what shall the little the grass, the hyssops of the wall do, the grass that grows out of the wall, well, what shall we do? If the tzaddik is slain, the tzaddik passed away, the general was slain, <laughs> what does that do for the soldiers? Imagine how demoralizing it is for the soldiers. The great general was, was, was defeated in battle or, or, or was sacrificed in battle, lost his life in battle. What's going to be with us? The tzaddikim are like cedar trees, powerful, giants. And we are like, like a grass growing in the tree. I mean, on the wall. Livyasan becheka hayala. A Livyasan was lifted from the sea with a fish hook, mayasid, the gate of cock. If you captured a whale, <laughs> what did the small fish, what should the small fry do, the, the gate of cock? In a rushing stream, dryness descended, may gave him. This was a mighty roaring stream. And look, it was dried up. What are we going to do? The small little ponds of water. Again, replace the greatness of Exactly. says, God forbid. I should have ever mentioned a fish hook or a flame with regards to the righteous. Hmm. Because the flame alludes to Gehenim. So you're talking about the righteous flames? The flame, the flame destroyed, consummated the, the, the tree. Consumed. Consumed. Consumed the tree. And a fish hook. That, that's a horrible death. So you shouldn't use it, you shouldn't use these terms in relation to a tzaddik. So my amr, bar kippuk, the eulogist says, he told the asram, so what would you say? I mean, I would say, if Avin said, I would say, cry for the mourners, but not for the lost objects. <laughs> cry for the mourners. It's our loss. Don't cry for the tzaddik. The tzaddik is in a good place. The tzaddik is, this is good. He's in a good place. He's happy. You have to, you have to mourn for the, for the living. They are the, we are the ones who are bereft. We're left with our light shut. For the tzaddik, there was a surge of energy. The, the soul passing away is like a surge of energy. A surge of electricity. But for us, it creates a blackout. So yeah. For us, it's a blackout. But for him, it's a, a surge. He went up to a whole different level of experience. Don't cry for him. Cry for us. He's, in the, he's up to the ultimate academy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rabashi, Rabashi felt very dejected. Even... When he, he was asking, Ravashi was asking, what are you going to say when I pass away? Ravashi was the editor of the Talmud. So when he heard this, he felt very dejected. You, you're referring to me as a lost object. But it's not true. The soul of a righteous is never lost. It remains alive. Why are you referring to me as a lost object? Not only is it not lost in the, in the world to come, even in this world it's not lost. His influence, till today, every time you're learning Gemara, it's Ravashi. What do you mean I'm lost? A lost object? What are you, what are you, what are you talking about lost? And the feet became inverted because he was so upset at them. 
because they caused so much distress, they didn't get it, all these great eulogies, that they were punished. Their feet became inverted. When Ravashi actually passed away, but Avi did not come to eulogize him. Either they were unable to, because their feet got inverted, so they, they were crippled, they couldn't come, or they didn't want to come, because he hurt them. Because of him, they were punished, so they refused to eulogize him. As Ravashi says, Neither Bar nor Oven is fit to perform Chalitza. Couldn't take shoes off. Couldn't take your shoes off. Perform Chalitza, you have to have straight feet. If, you, if your foot is inverted, you, you can't do chalit. But it says you have to remove the shoes from his feet. But <coughs> I couldn't remove it in, in the proper manner. It was upside down. The, 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 foot, the foot became upside down. So you have to remove the shoe from the top, not from the bottom. <laughs> the bottom of the feet. <laughs> you never do chalit. Rav gave also the diglas, and Rav approached the diglas, the Tigris River. Amle Ravavin, he said to Ravavin, "Kum arise and say, say something. Say something. Pray that I should be able to 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 cross this dangerous water safely." he stood up and he said, The majority of the third has entered the water. Rashi says that the third is referred as a reference to the Jewish people. Others say the third is a reference to the righteous. So either he's the equivalent of all the Jewish people, he's the majority of the Jewish people, or he's the greatest of all the tzaddikim. So therefore, let him through. Or it could be, he said, that the majority of the Jewish people then lived in Babylonia and, and, and Rava was their master and their teacher. So, they were, all, they, were, so they, were, they were in danger. They were all in danger if Rava would drown. Hmm. Remember that mercy. We have strayed from following you like a wife who strayed from a husband who is unfaithful. Nevertheless, don't forsake. Like the sign... I can mutter the sign of the bitter waters. The bitter waters. Someone who's an adulteress, they would give her the bitter water to drink. The bitter waters. Yeah. And she would die. So he said, but I haven't prayed that even though the Yidin, the Jewish people, sinned Hashem. But Hashem would not harm us with the waters of Tigris, which are like, uh, <laughs> like the bitter water. So he says, Chanin was the son-in-law of the leader of the Jewish community. He had no children. prayed, and eventually Hashem answered his prayer, and he had a child. In the day that he had the child, Avchanin passed away. In the day that his son was born. After so many prayers, Paschalos have done the so eulogies, eulogies of Hanan Hanis, a simchalatuganevcha. Gladness was turned into sorrow. 
the day that he was born, the biggest simcha, that's when you had the funeral. The opposite of, of, of Purim. Purim was an apichu that miyogin was simcha. From, from tragedy to joy. Here it was from joy to tragedy. So, in Boku, joy and sadness became attached. At the same time, he had joy and he had sadness. At the time of his gladness, he sighed. At the time the child was favored with life, Hanina, the one who sought favor for him, was lost. Hanina. They named the child Hanan after his father's name. He's like the Ashkenazim. We don't name a child after a father while he's alive. But he passed away, so therefore they named him after his father. You know, after Rabbi Yechon Rabbi Yechon passed away, Paschal opened the eulogy and he said, This day is as difficult for the Jewish people as the day when the sun sets at midday. And that day I will bring down the sun at midday in Amis. This prophecy is referring to the day when Yeshio passed away. He was the last righteous king, the last hope of the Jewish people, and he passed away at such a young age. In the war, he didn't listen to the prophet and he, and he waged war. So when he fought Pari Nechev from Egypt at the age of 39 years old. So he said, it's like the sun set at midday. That he was in the prime of his life, 39 and the last hope, the last righteous king who created such a Baltruva movement, the most powerful Baltruva movement uh, up until that time ever, and, and uh, he passed away in midday. So he said the same thing, that this day is like that day, it's as if the sun set at midday. It was so devastating. Yeshua's passed away, Rabbi Yechonon's passing away was just as, just as devastating. Even though Rabbi Yechonon was well advanced in age when he passed away. But nevertheless, he was so was so essential to the Jewish people. He wasn't just a, another rabbi. He was like that. They felt as if the same tragedy as Yeshua passing away at the age of thirty-nine. was like the Student of Ami observed the Shiva and the Shlosh, even though he wasn't his biological relative. Act according to his own opinion. No one, no one follows this opinion. Yeah, for a teacher, you don't do it. Even your teacher who taught you everything you know, you only sit for one day. When Avzeda passed away, the eulogist, he opened up. It says in the Pasuk, land of No, he said, the land of Shinar. It wasn't a Pasuk. He said, the land of Shinar, the land of Babylonia, conceived and bore up Zeda. The coveted land. Eretz Yisrael raised her delights because that's where he studied and that's where he flourished. Woe to her, said the Rakas, Tiberias, of the Klichem Das, of a precious instrument is lost. Avzeda passed away in Tiberias. You know, now passed away, the pillars of Kesaria shed water. In other words, tears of mourning over, over Rabbi Vua. <clears throat> like he's saying that even, even, even the pillars were crying. Even the stones shed tears. It was so, so tragic. Mm-hmm. Rabbi Yesi, when Rabbi Yesi passed away, Shafu Marzavi 
the gutters of Tzipayda spouted blood. Rabbi Yaisi was the one who championed the mitzvah of circumcision, even during the Roman persecution, when, when he could have died for it. So the water was discolored, showed that it appeared to be like blood. Then Rabbi Yaakov, when Rabbi Yaakov passed away, the stars were visible during the day. Yeah, the day turned night. Rabasi, when Rabasi passed away, all the trees were uprooted. When Rabbi passed away, fiery stones descended from the sky. When Rabbi passed away, the graven images of idols and those of course were flattened and became like slabs. All the monuments of the deceased king were cut down. Rabbi Yosher, when Rabbi Yosher passed away, seventy burglars were perpetrated in Nardor. Rabbi Nuna passed away, hailstones descended from the sky. Rabbi Rabbi Yosher, Rabbi Yosher passed away, the supporting arches of the bridges of the Euphrates broke and touched each other. Rabbi Rabbi passed away, the diglas adadi. The supporting arches of the bridges over the Tigris River broke and touched each other. passed away. The palm trees produced thorns. To be continued, everyone of